Thanks for joining us, everyone, for season two of the Hospitality Hangout. This is a hospitality-focused podcast where the founders of Branded Strategic share their insights and bring technology and innovation leaders that are making things happen in the industry that we love. My name is Jimmy Frischling, otherwise known as the Finance Guy, and I'd like to introduce my partner and friend, Mr. Michael Schatzberg, also known as our restaurant guy. Thanks for the introduction, uh, Jimmy. And to all those listening, feel free to call me Shatsy. Uh, Together, we are the personalities behind Branded Strategic Hospitality. We work at the intersection of hospitality, technology, innovation, and capital. We're very excited to be continuing our series of navigating human capital solutions in a digital world, uh, with today's specific focus on hiring and retention as it relates to executives, C-suite employees, and other key members of your team. So without further ado, we're excited to have with us our good friend, Mr. Barry Herbst, uh, Vice President of the Elliott Group. Barry, we'll let you take the lead, and why don't you give us a little background on yourself uh, and the Elliott Group. Shatsy, Jimmy, great to be here with you guys. Thank you, big fan of Branded Strategic. So about myself, I'm from Westchester County, New York. I graduated from the University of Delaware Business School with a degree in hotel, restaurant, institutional management, and I've always been a big foodie. Um, I graduated with a Spanish minor and quickly found myself in the residential real estate world in the city that never sleeps, Manhattan. I sold residential condos and co-ops, as well as some rentals here or there to the rich and famous and some other interesting characters in New York City for about six years. And after that line of work, I found myself joining the Elliott Group in 2016. It was kind of an interesting shift going from helping people find their home to now working with Elliott and helping people find their career and their next life. The Elliott Group was founded in 1983. We are an executive search firm and we help companies identify their next generation talent at the executive, strategic, and C-suite across all functional disciplines from marketing, finance, operations, franchise sales, you name it, we do it. We help companies get to that next level. And we work with brands that are not only in the restaurant space, but across health and wellness, retail, consumer packaged goods, manufacturing. Our clients range from public companies to portfolio brands that are owned by equity groups and family offices down to your growth brands that are the next iteration of the genius and creativity in the restaurant, hospitality, and consumer world. All right. Well, listen, thanks for that introduction, Barry. Really appreciate that. Anything more you want to add about the Elliott Group? Would you jump right into some of the Q&A? I have a lot more I can add about Elliott. Um, we are, <laughs> we're headquartered in Tarrytown, New York, where we, where we were founded originally. We have colleagues now all over the country from New York to Atlanta to Oregon, Colorado, Florida, all over New York and all over the United States. Our clients are all over the country, all over the world. And I'm very excited to be here with you guys and tell you more about Elliot and dive into the hospitality restaurant and consumer space. Well, thanks for all that. So you really have a, a hospitality background from college and you're a big foodie. Let's just focus on uh, Elliot. I know you guys have a lot of verticals you deal in, not just hospitality, but certainly a big part of your business is hospitality. In your opinion right now, I mean, we're going through a real crazy time, obviously, from March to now, I don't know, seven months now later with this COVID uh, thing happening here. Opinion, your opinion, overall state of the industry. And when I talk about industry, let's talk about hospitality industry. What's your opinion where things are right now? I would say people are cautiously optimistic. You know, if we break that down, 
that really means, of course, it depends on geography, but we're seeing restaurants slowly opening up. People are slowly getting comfortable eating in an indoor setting that is not their own home. So that's the optimistic side. The cautious side, look, there's no vaccine yet. Um, and not to make a Game of Thrones reference, but winter is coming. Love um, Game of Thrones, Barry. Love Game of Thrones, Shatsy. <laughs> um, you know, people in this industry are incredibly resilient and innovative. I would say people, of course, are hurting. But at the end of the day, people have never, most people, I would say, especially those that we at Elliot have been in touch with, talking to, be it friends, clients, they have not lost their resolve. Has it wavered from time to time? Absolutely. I think it has for all of us. But their hospitality and restaurant world is really the lifeblood of our country. I think everyone is excited and eager to get back to that mainstream life where we can see our friends and family over a delicious meal, cocktails, drinks, whatever it may be. Um, many companies and, and brands have gotten really creative. You know, they've switched to delivery, especially for these full service, these fine dining concepts. They have had to think outside the box and how to recreate their whole business plan from, from top to bottom. Um, you know, we look at some companies, some bigger brands like Chipotle and Taco Bell that have reimagined their whole uh, operations business plan as well. Look at Chipotle's Chipotle. This came out in 2019. Um, they have, it's kind of a, kind of a delivery pickup without leaving your car, kind of something that McDonald's was at the forefront of 50 years ago, 60 years ago. Other brands are just starting to catch on. Taco Bell's Go Mobile for a digital order pickup. Um, I think companies are also warming up to and have started going into ghost kitchens as well, of course, mm -hmm. to mitigate that cost of rent and get out of their 10 or 15 year lease. The ghost kitchens are, of course, a lot less expensive. They're more flexible in terms of, of lease. And it's, it's an attractive I would say interesting very, model for sure. Very interesting. Yes. I, uh, Barry, I appreciate all of that. And, um, and, and I come from a more financial and capital markets background. Um, and then yet 25 plus years now working with Shatsy and, and certainly I feel the hospitality industry is one of the most agile and creative, uh, ones, um, I've ever, I've ever experienced. And that really comes from the people. Um, they also, I guess the cliche necessity is the mother of invention is certainly playing a role. Um, um, in some of the actions of which you just described. Can you share with our audience um, kind of the status of human capital today? Are people getting hired? What types of levels? And then really, I think, what are the qualities that, that you think owner operators are, are looking for and, and feel is most uh, critically important? So I know I just dumped a lot on you, but the status of the industry, you know, are people getting hired, the levels, and then what, what are the kind of key attributes or qualities you think are resonating the most with our industry? That's a great question. Human capital is, and I would say more so than other industries, the lifeblood of the restaurant industry. Despite all the changes and challenges that we're seeing and experiencing, and despite the ever-changing landscape with the local and state governments, with rules changing every, feels like every 10 seconds, mm -hmm. the one thing that really has not changed, and I, this is something that I'm a firm believer in, is the resolve of the leaders in this dynamic industry. Leadership has really never been more important for these brands, big, small, QSR, fast, casual, fine dining. And, you know, look, it's challenging, I think, for restaurant companies to fully predict their own futures. Uh, with that being said now, 
we've seen a lot of innovation in hiring of talent mm -hmm. in technology, in digital marketing. Operations and finance are a huge area that we're also really busy in in Italy and across the entire country. There's really little room for error. You know, companies have to make that right hire. They have to ensure there's a cultural fit, of course, in addition to the to the technical background and technical are you, are you finding companies coming to you right now for like new leadership or are they like saying, hey, we need a new CEO. The person that's running this company is not, uh, you know, can't handle this type of operation. Or is it is it I mean, clearly uh, a lot of people were let go. I mean, I assume probably in the, the 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 kitchens, the servers, the bartenders. I mean, that's 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 the people we we saw go. Uh, where are you seeing the the kind of people getting rehired now? And are people, you know, where, what are you seeing? Yeah, great question. So just to go, do you mind if I go back to Jimmy's question about qualities, traits or? Oh, yeah, no, that's that was kind of like a, cool. a, a okay. kind of a piece of that question. OK, awesome. yeah, actually, Shatz, I think he's told you, let me answer Jimmy's really good question first. <laughs> and then I'll and then I'll then I'll go to Shatz's question. I and then, and then go to Shatsy's ridiculous third grade question. <laughs> and then I'll have to ask that again, Shatsy, if you don't mind. Um, <laughs> so today's owners and operators are looking for the following qualities, characteristics, and attributes. I think excellent communication is critical here. Written and oral, not only to get the job done, communicate down the line to, and disseminate a message, but those who are able to inspire those around them, those who are able to you know, look at the glass half full rather than half empty. With everything going on, it's easy to look at it with the reality in a half negative or a full negative light. But that's why we need to work with those who are positive, who are, who are uplifting, and who really bring the best out of those around them. And that's not a technical background per se. It's a core competency in my view, and a lot of our clients are looking for that positive leader who really can make a difference top to bottom. Leaders are also looking for the smart and strategic candidates you know, who have multiple skill sets. They have not just one level or one dimension. For example, they have maybe a, they're multifaceted in terms of their strengths. They're both adept at marketing and operations mm -hmm. or human resources and finance. It's that extra level that our clients look for. And we at Elliott call these individuals athletes because they are able to bring much more to an organization in terms of a track record of success, in terms of a story, and in terms of helping a brand go towards a new light and a new future given this person's past experience and success. I like that. I like the athletes. I might have to borrow that. I know Jimmy's going to borrow it uh, probably on a call today. I already just updated um, my bio. I just put athlete. <laughs> yeah, I am an athlete. I'm an athlete. Uh, not just a restaurant operator. Hey, Barry, that's, listen, you know, we're here in New York City. You and I had, uh, with Jimmy and Alice, had lunch a couple weeks ago. We're here in New York City where our, our restaurants are based. Arguably, New York City has been hit probably the hardest than most other place in the country. Where else in the country? What are you seeing around the country? Because you guys are all over the country, all over the world. What are you seeing in other big cities in terms of recovery or not such recovery? I know Dallas or, or Texas just opened 75 percent. What are you seeing around the rest of the country? Give us a, our, our listeners a little bit of that. Yeah, Shatsy, that's a that's a great question. You just took the words right out of my mouth. You know, we're very, mm -hmm. very busy in Texas. It's mm -hmm. kind of there's an interesting direct correlation, I would say, between the work we're getting and the percent capacity permitted to dine in. So mm -hmm. Texas now is at 75 percent dine in capacity, I think announced last week. I think Arizona is at 50 percent capacity. You know, we have we've got a lot of work in the southwest. We have a lot of work in the southeast. So Colorado is another state where there's a lot of you know optimism and, and units are starting to open up slowly but surely. 
The restaurant brands have also been able to pivot not only with their food offerings, et cetera, but, but also with the takeout of, of beverages, cocktails, um, just to stay in front of their guests and, and not lose that guest to another, to another brand. And, you know, this really ensures that the brands are able to stay competitive. You know, brands have to do whatever they can to get their guests back in the door or even up to their, to their takeout counter. So when it comes to the dining capacity itself, you know, we're, to your point, we're in New York. It's, I think, in eight or so days, can't come soon enough. We'll have 25% mm-hmm. capacity. It's a good start. But, you know, it's kind of, a, kind of a pain to go to Jersey to have to go to get, a, get an indoor meal or go to Westchester. It seems like everywhere else is kind of advancing way ahead of New York. And I can't wait to get out of this state to go just, you know, explore and see what I've been missing the last eight months, probably like you guys, too. I'm going to be, you know, Dora the Explorer, except Barry version. Um, <laughs> I like that Barry the Explorer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Barry, in the, in the way, in the same way you just kind of delineated or, or draw distinctions between, you know, New York um, and let's say the rest of the country and, and certainly New York, it's in its own bubble um, when it comes to the COVID crisis and, and the reopening at the pace at which we're able to do it. Can you also maybe try to delineate between the different segments of the restaurant business? You know, we know you're very connected, you know, to the fine dining world and what's happening, you know, let's say in that group of restaurants relative or versus what might be going on in fast casual or quick serve? Um, how are these different segments of this industry uh, approaching some of the uh, very material headwinds and, and, and that obviously are coming from COVID? How are they addressing these issues? Great question, Jimmy. So look, it's been very, very tough for fine dining and full service because many of these brands, they've never really had to think of delivery before. Not all, but a lot of these companies are old school where technology hasn't really been the forefront. Mm -hmm. And now they're having to find themselves going into unventured territory, kind of like going to a quote unquote new world with having to figure out operations, changing around their model. And this even impacts their ethos and their their mission statement and their brand for the fine dining, uh, full service legacy brands. You know, when we look at the QSR brands, the QSR fast casual, we're seeing that a lot of these are more nimble. Mm-hmm. Um, they're more able to take on risks, take on new technology. And, you know, for example, you guys have, have Bebot, which is a really innovative tech. I don't, I don't, I'm not a technology person from the standpoint mm-hmm. of coding and all that, but the impact that Bebot and other technologies are having on these, on these restaurants has certainly been indelible, I think. It's, it's been positive for the brands. It's been able to improve their bottom line. And that, that provides a breath of fresh air for these restaurant groups. Anything that these brands can do to improve their bottom line, even if it means investing in their company further and more. Now, of course, is that challenging? Certainly, there's less dry powder, less capital available, which is something I'm sure we'll get into. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure if that answers your question, but I I hope it does. It absolutely does, my friend. I just want to also say that, you know, a lot of these brands, like I said before, about market share and delivery, they've they've implemented some, some new innovative ways to stay, like I said, on top of their customer base. You know, mm-hmm. bringing out specialty dishes, special cocktail mixes, unique and, and inventive marketing on uh, social media, uh, Twitter and Instagram. And I'm not sure about TikTok because I'm not on TikTok, which is probably a good thing. My wife would kill me right. for the videos I'd put out. But uh, <laughs> agreed. fast casual quick serve have really maximized their advantages compared yep. to full service fine dining. And they're working hard to ensure that these customers return even after the virus has disappeared, which I think would be great. You know, we talked a little about leadership and and on the executive level in the restaurant space and how important it is and how important it is right now. Are you seeing 
a shift? Are you seeing some of these leaders that we need so desperately saying, hey, you know what? This space is really troubled. I'm a great executive. I am not hanging around here. I'm going to go and find another industry, you know, because I don't want to deal with this right now. Are you seeing people coming to you saying, I got to get out, get me into healthcare, get me into something else, but I do not want to be in restaurants right now? You know, Shanti, that's a great question. And the answer, there's a couple different answers. Look, I think short term, people need to make money. So certainly there has unfortunately been a flight. We're going to see these executives come back that I'm sure of. I'm sure of that happening. There really is no other industry that has the energy and the resolve and the passion, in my view, as the restaurant hospitality industry. And remember, guys, hospitality is hospitality is in every industry. You know, I'm a language guy. I love foreign languages. And I reflect on the Latin word hospice, which means guest. So whether you go into a bank, you go to a, a car dealership, you go into a, you know, a junkyard, it's all about hospitality, making that guest and that customer feel welcome. So we mm-hmm. do a lot of work at the health and wellness space, lifestyle space, retail space as well, and fitness groups. And are we seeing restaurant executives go to these, to these areas? Of course. You know, but the way to flip this around, guys, is there really is no better time for an executive in these fields, in health and wellness, in retail, in consumer packaged goods, to come to the restaurant world. There really is no better time for these executives to leave, to leave a long-term impact on a brand, especially a brand that they're passionate about. Um, I think many executives, of course, you know, are waiting to see what transpires over the next three to six months. That's just natural. It's a wait-and-see game. But the people that have left, I, I, many of them, I believe, will come back when they realize that they're, there really is no other jazz and no, no other energy compared to the hospitality restaurant space. It's all in this industry. And it, like I said earlier, it's the lifeblood of this great country, getting people together to enjoy meals. And it all happens because of you know, people wanting to experience a new culture, a new, a new, a new memory, whatever it may be. These executives will come back. And, and, but like I said, they will. Um, there is no better time for them to, to come back than, than now. Actually, I really like that that language uh, studies tidbit you just shared about Hospi. Um, we have absolutely got to adopt that. Um, borrowing that one, def- too, Jimmy. Borrowing. We have to steal that one outright. Um, can't say steal. On, <laughs> can't say steal. On oh, the well, air, I, I, well, I meant with attribution to Barry, of course. I mean, we'll give him full footnote. attribution. Footnote. Yeah. Um, you know, I created Latin. Actually, I'm the creator of the Latin language, so uh, you, can, you have to give me credit. <laughs> hey, if you say that enough times, someone else might even believe you. Um, <laughs> you know, you mentioned, um, you know, kind of the state, and you mentioned the financial kind of aspect and and that, look that's a reality to what everyone um, has to deal with both personally and, and professionally in terms of their businesses are you noticing let's say any restaurant groups um, uh, that are hindered in their growth or in some of the ambition they'd like to be or opportunities that would be pursuing um, as a result of financial constraints or the headwinds uh, around the financial volatility even of of the restaurant industry and i agree with you hospitality goes well beyond restaurants but are you noticing any restaurant groups that are right now challenged or hindered in terms of their growth as a result of these constraints certainly jimmy and no doubt and look i'll say that Every group, of course, is different. Every group has different plans for growth. Some companies that have 15, 20 units want to stay that size, whether it's corporate, franchisee, whatever it may be. So it all comes down to these groups' goals. However, regardless of QSR, fast casual, fine dining, you know, et cetera, every group has been impacted for sure. I think one area that we've seen 
these financial constraints has been on rent. You know, coming from the real estate world and interacting and working with these with these landlords, at least in New York City, a lot of these landlords, and this is very, um, you know, it's an anecdote. A lot of these landlords in New York City, at least, are, are dynasties. They've go back two, three, four, even some, even five generations, and they've mm-hmm. never really had to negotiate with a tenant before because typically if, if you wanted a space, you have to pony up and pay the rent. You know, that's just how it was for the last, you know, 50, 60, 100 years. Now, um, landlords need these restaurant tenants. They don't want to have an empty retail space that doesn't look good for their building. It reduces and, and really hurts their income, of course. So, which actually is a very good time, I would say, for, for restaurant tenants to negotiate with their landlords. But the rents and the landlord relationships, of course, have been challenging for for the... Um, Pre-COVID. Pre-COVID, of course. Yeah. And even coming into COVID today, that's why we're seeing a lot of these restaurant groups going into and looking into ghost kitchens. You know, mm-hmm. There's less of a financial pressure. My understanding is not as complex as working with a 50, 60 year old landlord who is very set in their ways and doesn't want to have to entertain working with a tenant, you know, because they're set in how they've done things forever. You know, COVID has been a black swan event that took a lot of people by surprise. And, mm-hmm. and these real estate landlords, I think, are also doing their best to catch up. But it's the realist, it's the restaurant owners and operators that I believe now, despite the financial pressures, are actually in the driver's seat when it comes to getting to getting uh, better deals on rent, et cetera, better terms to their to their benefit. Yeah, listen, those are all great points, and I think it's a great segue into this next question. I think um, we talked a little about how uh, innovation. I mean, I think in the hospitality and restaurant space, you know, it's it's really a space where it's creativity. We have chefs and owners are very creative, and I think uh, certainly here in New York City, you've seen it shine with some of these incredible. Uh, we call it streeteries, but some really beautiful really interesting uh, outdoor spaces have been created with trees and flowers and lights and really, really interesting. A lot of people are, seem to really be enjoying it. Um, and that's, that's great. So I think there has a lot of innovation has come out. Um, I'd like to just um, ask you a little bit about what kind of innovation are you seeing or have you seen, or are you most excited about? I know we talked a little about, you know, ordering by the phone and ghost kitchens and things like that. What kind of innovation do you see as a professional within the LA group and then just personally as a customer that you're most excited about or, or, or interested in or think it's something that, that's just going to take off and keep going? That's a great question, Shatsy. So first, I think contactless payments is something that I'm very, very interested in. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, that's taken the industry by storm. And, you know, we see a lot of these... Um, you could shine your your camera phone over the menu, over the QR code, and that pops up. I think one of your companies, I think, is is integrated into this world. Is it Bebot mm-hmm. or? Yep. Um, so you guys actually, I think, got into this way before or before COVID. So you're setting your trendsetters, guys. <laughs> Congrats! Um, <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> so that's certainly some area, one area that I'm very bullish on. This is only going to grow. Um, you know, like I said before, it's it's really appropriate for these for brands to be nimble and to take risks. And to do whatever they can to differentiate themselves. Um, some other technologies that I'm excited about. I actually think that, you know, uh, digital currencies. People can send a send a payment instantly, instant finality. There's no delay. You can get the money in the bank right away. That's mm-hmm. something I'm very very interested in. Excited to see where that goes. There are a couple of companies that are integrating with Starbucks and other big groups. Um, 
you know, to ensure, of course, you don't have to have your money wait in the bank. You just get it directly in your pocket. That's something that I'm really interested about, interested in. I think, um, you know, we hear about Flippy, the robot, uh, the burger maker. Unfortunately, yep. that's going to take some people out of the industry. But, you know, owners and operators really have to think toward the future and how are they going to save their bottom line, save on the bottom line and and. So, yeah, I don't know how Flippy's burgers are. I've never had a Flippy burger yet. I've heard they're pretty good. Um, maybe the three of us will go on a burger tour sometime. And yeah, I, think, find out. I think White Castle is uh, is piloting them in a few stores right now. That's right. That's that's right. Uh, I understand Flippy takes shorter breaks than some of his peers, so uh, I don't know if Flippy could, <laughs> Flippy could be a winner. You know, um, I, I will say, Shatz and I, um, when we started our started Brand Strategic, um, one of the contributing factoids was was the quote we had heard regarding um, that the hospitality industry was the slowest uh, industry other than coal miners to embrace technology. And we've since learned that there's been some interesting innovation in coal mining. So um, we might actually own, um, as an industry, we might own the slowest to adopt. Uh, but you're right. We do hear about often when we start introducing new tech um, that we think could be value added uh, to uh, particularly brick and mortar stores. We do hear one of the challenges um, is is that it, at the end of the day, it does uh, run the risk or, or will likely be replacing some human capital. And uh, we get in discussions with some folks about that all the time. And I'm always telling folks I'm willing to talk about anything they want, you know, in a respectful and professional manner. But I'll only engage in that conversation if the uh, if the person challenging uh, the uh, technology uh, tells me that they don't use an easy pass and they wait on uh, to pay a toll a toll booth a collector in person and they don't pour their own gas or pump their own gas because I won't what I won't accept is people cherry picking where you will embrace tech and where you won't embrace tech. But that's a topic for another time. Barry uh, and Chats, we we Chats and I created a, a segment or in inadvertently created a segment uh, over the last few podcasts, which we uh, call the crystal ball moment. So while we're not going to put you on the spot, truth is we are going to put you on the spot. spot. Uh, We are going to put you on the spot. We would love to have your crystal ball moment. Um, And the question we want to ask you is if you could look out dining, you know, two years from now, how do you see uh, restaurants and specifically, you know, a dining experience as it pertains to, you know, kind of the relationship between employees and technology? You're on the spot. Go. Oh, gee, that's, that's a great question. I think that the human interaction, the, the need for human interaction. And remember guys, human beings are very, very social by nature. We need that human interaction. We thrive on it. We need that face-to-face time and, and connectivity points. I think that in the next two years, you know, with everything going on with COVID and, and, and the landscape changing, we're going to see an increase in technology that allows people to not have to get out of their car to pick up their food not have to really see anybody, but I still think the, I still believe that the full service or full service dining will will be an important part of our of our culture. I don't see that area going anywhere. But when it comes to the examples I gave earlier of Chipotle, Chipotle's Chipotle, and you know Taco Bell's Mobile Go, basically allowing anyone to have a have a quick touch grab your food. You don't have to leave your car. That's only going to get more popular. We're doing a lot of work with, with these, you know, coffee concepts, for example, that have drive-throughs and the drive-through industry is only going to get more coveted and, and more of a, I would say, grown market share. 
Yeah. Um, and you know, Barry, it's like you bring up a good point, but you know, Jimmy and I always like to say if if COVID did anything, we keep talking about it. It has just accelerated the embracement of technology and hospitality. I mean, drive-through lanes, I, when I was a kid, I was going through McDonald's drive-through lanes. So this is nothing new. It's just now right. it's like being re-looked at and accelerated even to to cooler degrees, you know. And uh, and I think that's what you're seeing going to, to, to happen. But I think you bring up all, all great points. Uh, Barry, I'm going to take you into the branded quick fire. This is just um, a section. I'm going to ask you five lightning round questions. Don't think too hard. Just give us the first answer that comes into your mind. Are you ready for this? No pressure. Five questions. Let's do it. Now that New York has opened up with outdoor dining and it will open up with uh, with indoor dining uh, shortly, um, what is your favorite restaurant to for dining outdoors right now? Right now, it's a restaurant called Il Brigante in the Seaport, close to home. I live in the financial district with my wife, Deb, beautiful baby, Eleanor. So far enough, I can get out of the house, have some alone time. Delicious burrata, delicious linguine and clam sauce, um, and right on, pretty close to the water, too. Excellent, excellent. By the way, potentially single best answer we've ever had to that first question. He nailed not only an establishment, he gave a shout out to his wife, his daughter, and very detailed on what you get at this wonderful restaurant downtown. That was awesome. I'm going for the burrata immediately. Where are you ordering delivery from tonight? Well, my wife wants cava. I want Los Tacos Numero Uno, which means we're definitely having cava. <laughs> Good point. Mac or PC? Definitely a Mac. I'm on a Mac right now. I've been a Mac guy pretty much my whole life when travel resumes where is the first place you want to visit anywhere that's not new jersey and new york um <laughs> i i, <laughs> I want to go to austin texas <laughs> oh god jersey. jersey so don't oh, don't don't start me and jimmy with jersey okay it's gonna have to be austin texas guys i austin miss the barbecue texas. i miss sixth street i miss going up and down with with uh friends and cocktails and just having a great night or, or whatever it is and and having some awesome Franklin's barbecue. Jimmy and I are joining you there. Last question. If you were to challenge Jimmy or I to a fire-making contest a la Survivor-style <laughs> rope burn, who would you have better odds of beating? I didn't know you guys were secret pyros, but I've been wondering the whole time, you know, uh, who's been setting off fireworks in Brooklyn this summer? So I know it's you guys. Uh, but I guess my answer is probably, well, I'm the least handy person in the world, according to my wife. So I think you, you, both, you, you both win, I guess. <laughs> Very politically correct. We respect that. And, and by the way, I am a uh, three or four time uh, color war rope burning contest champion at Brant Lake Camp. I'm going to shout that out. Go green. Anyway. <laughs> um, Lake. I know Brant Lake. Wow. Brant Lake, really? baby. Got it in there. Uh, listen, Barry, we appreciate very much you joining us and sharing your insights with our audience. We value what you and the Elliott Group do for the industry. Uh, Shatz and I and the whole team at Brandon really enjoy working with what we call hospitality-centric companies, and those are the ones that really are trying to add value uh, to this industry, and we certainly think you and your company are just that. Um, if anyone in our audience wants to get in touch with Barry directly, we really encourage you to reach out to Brandon. You can reach us at admin at Branded Strategic. That's admin at brandedstrategic.com. And we'd be happy to connect you directly with, uh, with Barry and the Elliott Group. Also, please make sure uh, you check in uh, and tune in with our next guest. Uh, our next podcast will be Zach Oates, founder and CEO of Ovation Up. This is a direct customer experience and engagement platform for the brick and mortar business. Uh, you won't want to miss it. Zach is a longtime restaurateur uh, and now running this great tech company out in Utah. And finally, to our listeners. 
audience. We always want to thank you for tuning in. We know there are literally hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there. And the fact that you choose to hang out with us is something that we appreciate value and always want to be thankful and grateful. Uh, If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on any exciting guests we'll have coming up in the future. And better yet, why don't you invite a friend to come hang out with us the next time. So until then, I am Jimmy Frischling, your finance guy, and I got Chatsy here, our restaurant guy, uh, and we wish you a great day. Thanks again. Cheers. Yep. Thanks, everybody. Shatsy signing off. Thank you, Barry and the Elliott Group. Thank you, Shatsy. Thank you, Jimmy. Pleasure to be with you guys and hope to see you soon for some cocktails at Farmer and the Fish. Looking forward to that oasis. Austin, Texas for barbecue. (laughs) Thank you, guys.